Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. I'm glad to be recording this podcast for you. If you've been enjoying it, please take a moment, just 30 seconds, to drop a quick rating and review. Even a one-word review would be fantastic. It really helps others find this valuable content. I also wanted to share with you a little bit about a great conference that I went to this past Friday. It was put on by UCSF, where I was on full-time faculty for many years and now continue to teach and supervise trainees. At the conference, there were some really interesting topics. The, the theme of the conference was perinatal mental health, and some of the really interesting topics included things like Native American perinatal mental health, perinatal nutrition. So we talked about things like omega-3s. And if you're interested in learning more about that, for example, please take a look at one of the earliest episodes in season one where I talk about omega-3s, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Some of the other topics included things like using technology in the perinatal space and many others. But my favorite was this talk about a study that was done on mindfulness for perinatal depression. It was called the MAMA study, and it took place over eight years at UCSF. That is a long time for any research study. It involved women who received 12 weeks of mindfulness skills training, and what they found eight years later was that there continued to be lower rates of depression in this group that received this mindfulness training compared to the control group. That is a really important result eight years later. Now, if you're a clinician and you're interested in learning more about applying tools like mindfulness or nutraceuticals like omega-3s with your patients, I recommend taking a look at my online fellowship course by going to psychiatryfellowship.com. I've had psychiatrists, psychologists, OBGYNs, nurse midwives, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and many more take this course. Now, it is considered more advanced, which means that you do need to have a foundation already in reproductive mental health, and this course builds on that by teaching integrative tools. So see the link to learn more, including reviewing the full curriculum. The next cohort starts in less than two weeks, and it does have a couple of spots left. So take a look. Go to psychiatryfellowship.com. Now let's dive into the topic for today's podcast, which is revenge bedtime procrastination. Have you ever heard this term before? It really refers to going to bed later than, than appropriate in a way that means reducing your total sleep. Now let's dive into the topic for today, which is revenge bedtime procrastination. Have you ever heard this term before? It refers to going to bed later than appropriate in a way that reduces your total sleep, but without having a specific reason. So you're not staying up late to go to an event, for example. And all the while knowing that there could be negative consequences, like irritability or more fatigue the next day. Now, most commonly, I actually hear about this from my mom patients who've spent the whole day at work with kids, managing the household, running errands without any time for oneself. And then at the end of the day, engaging in this kind of activity. So what's the revenge? 
Well, it's essentially revenge on the day for not having free time or me time. It's been studied most in students, and interest in researching this particular topic of bedtime procrastination really exploded during COVID and, of course, with smartphone usage. The term itself was originally coined in 2014 by Croce and colleagues. What do we know about its impact? Well, we know that it impacts sleep, and worse sleep can definitely lead to increased rates of depression and anxiety and more health problems. Sleep deprivation leads to all kinds of problems, from issues with inattention, leading to perhaps more fender benders and car accidents, to cardiac problems like heart attacks and diabetes, and to nutritional problems. We often don't choose the healthiest type of foods when we're sleep deprived. Sleep is medicine, so when you take less of it, you do often feel sicker. In 2022, there was an interesting meta-analysis and systematic review of bedtime procrastination. It reviewed the background, some of the available data, most of which, as I mentioned, is quite recent because this is a relatively recent term, and then the relationship between sleep quality and similar parameters. I've linked to that particular study in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about it. What I want to focus on now is the why behind it and the how to change it. We've already discussed the why a little bit. It's often from a place of wanting more me time. There can be various psychological and physiological underpinnings to that. The physiological is often related to a person's natural sleep-wake cycle. So folks who might have, in general, a naturally later-occurring sleep-wake cycle and have a slightly shifted circadian rhythm might be a little bit more prone to this. And then the psychological is often related to things like feelings of depletion. And so the question arises, should you want to change it? Well, not necessarily. The main concern is its functional impact. If your bedtime procrastination doesn't have any functional in impact, then there's no reason to necessarily intervene. But it would be unusual for that to be the case. Like we discussed, sleep deprivation can have both short and long-term consequences. So the first step is to figure out what those are. What are those consequences? in order to have the motivation to be able to make the changes. After figuring that out, I think that there's three important steps to consider if you want to make a change in your behavior and get a handle on the bedtime procrastination. The first is to think about other ways to make me time, to fulfill those needs. For example, rather than an hour at 11 p.m., can you find three five-minute windows for yourself during the day. For example, when you drink your cup of coffee in the morning, could it be a mindful activity that's just for you? When you get in your car to drive home, can you take a few minutes to breathe or maybe a few minutes to stretch once you arrive? Tacking on to something that you're already doing makes this type of mindful moment easier to accomplish. And you might say, well, three five-minute windows does not equate to an hour. But I would challenge you to try it first and then see if you actually need a full hour at the end of the day. So that's the first step, is to figure out other ways to meet your me-time needs. The second step to consider 
is to perhaps selectively choose which days you might engage in this kind of behavior and to pre-plan that as well as make it shorter. For example, maybe Wednesday, the so-called hump day, is the day that you'll plan to stay up a little bit longer, perhaps not a full hour, but maybe 30 minutes. And so you plan accordingly. Perhaps your partner can help with the kids in the morning so that you can make up some of that sleep deficit, as an example. And then the third step to consider is to choose a healthy option. While you're engaging in that bedtime procrastination, what if, instead of scrolling through social media, you engage in something like a journaling activity so that there's a positive purpose to that awake time? Once you've decided that the revenge bedtime procrastination that you're engaging in is having negative psychological and physiological consequences because of that impact on sleep, then choose these three steps to consider. Other ways to meet meet time needs, selectively choosing which days to engage in this behavior and to make it shorter, and then to choose a healthy option during that window of time. And now, let's get to sleep tonight at a good hour. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.